The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Email Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're doing a deep dive into one of the most important tools in a marketer's toolkit, email. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that discusses what you need to know to optimize, scale, and de-risk your email marketing strategies. With us today is Tracy Sestilli, who is the head of marketing at SparkPost, which is a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. SparkPost is the world's number one email sender. It delivers over 37% of the world's B2C emails. Their unmatched data footprint, real-time alerts, and spam trap monitoring help their clients find and fix problems with their email outreach before they become issues. So far this week, we've talked about the current landscape of email as a marketing channel, and today we're going to discuss what marketers need to know about writing email that converts into business results. Here's the second installment of Email Week with Tracy Sestilli from SparkPost. Tracy, welcome back to Email Week on the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Ben. Glad to be back. It's great to have you here. So yesterday we talked about the general landscape and some of the types of emails that people are sending. And I think we ended the episode talking about there's some awareness driving email activities, like the ones that your sales teams send out that are personalized and direct. You have your company newsletter and sort of your batch and blast emails, which are really meant to be educational content. And then you have some triggered and transactional emails that are meant to keep your prospective customers understanding what their relationship is with a company. So let's talk a little bit about writing email content and copy that's meant to convert across those three different types of activities. Let's go one at a time. When you're sending your personal email, you're reaching out to somebody who's in your database, you have their email address, but you're trying to introduce them and get them into the top of your funnel. What advice do you have for marketers thinking about writing their awareness driving emails? I think there's a couple of things you need to look at. Of course, there's a standard personalization, like putting their name in the subject line and in the body of the copy. But beyond that, it's like, what job function does this person have? What are they responsible for? What types of problems do they need to solve to be successful in their role? And then tailoring the content that you're sending to them to sort of help them do their job better. I think that those are probably the types of things that get people's attention and don't seem so spammy or salesy. And I think that that is the ones that tend to get the higher engagement. 
So I ran an email outreach campaign, which is actually how we were introduced. When the MarTech podcast was ready to start taking on sponsors after we hit 10,000 downloads a month, I put a campaign together that targeted people that were sponsoring digital marketing events. And I sent the email to someone on your team, and my hope is that it got forwarded on to you. But it essentially said MarTech podcast as the title. Then it was, hey, the person's name. I see that you're a sponsor of this event. If you're doing these type of awareness activities, I think that you might be a good fit to be a sponsor on the MarTech podcast. Here are a few stats on the show. We're top ranking for Google and iTunes for podcasts. We've ranked highly in the App Store. We have X number of downloads. I don't remember what the rest of the stats are. If you're interested in connecting to talk about the show or being a sponsor, please let me know. What did I get right and what did I get wrong sending that email campaign? I can't remember who received it on my team, but I felt like that the things that you got right in there were you told me what it was that you were trying to get me interested in. And you gave me some key high level bullet points of statistics, really, that sort of meant something to me. Like, of course, I would have the immediate questions of what is your subscriber base or if I'm going to sponsor something like that. So you gave me the relevant information. And then from there, I wanted to learn more, right? So you piqued my curiosity a bit. And I think that that's what made us reach out back to you. I'm glad that you did. (laughs) I'm glad that we're connected now. And I think that my strategy for sending these types of personalized emails is to keep them short and relevant. So the least number of words you can write, the better, while still getting across your bullet points. And so one of the things that I did was I include some personalization. I included the person's name I was sending the email to, their company, the event that I saw that they sponsored. And then in terms of listing out the stats, I didn't want a laundry list, so I use a bulleted list to try to get across my points and try to lead with the numbers first. Do you feel like that matters? Is there a rule of thumb in terms of the amount of content that you're sending or people's consumption behaviors? I do. I think this is in content across the board, really. I think that people tend to do a lot of skimming these days, whether it's a blog or on Twitter or Facebook or wherever it is they're consuming content. And I think because we're in this content overload society, time is valuable. So people read and skim the highlights. So if you have numbers and bullet points, I think it makes it very concise. The copy, instead of putting it all in one giant paragraph or a couple of paragraphs, that seems to be too long. A few sentences that are relevant and that are personalized is super helpful. And then just the highlights, really. And that is enough to pique curiosity if you put the right content there. And that should usually get some response for you. Yeah. Well, it might not be grammatically correct. I try to limit my paragraphs to like one to three sentences max in email just because I don't want the big word block because you're right. People don't read anymore. They just skim. One other thing that I did in that email outreach was I included an image at the bottom. I think it was the screenshot of where we peaked in terms of the app store ranking in terms of podcasts for businesses. I was a little nervous about that because I'm not sure how much including an image impacts your deliverability. Do you have any thoughts on what else you can include in terms of attachments and where you get in trouble in terms of making your content more visual? You know, there used to be this taboo of not sending images and email or attachments. I think the inbox, especially with Google Lamp coming out, it's sort of moving to a more interactive and more visual channel. And I think the whole goal is if you can paint the picture with an image, it sort of lets you cut down on the amount of weight. And some people just will go right to that. And then they might go back up and look at what content that you wrote. 
but there certainly shouldn't be a taboo in putting images in your email. Let's move on and talk a little bit about the second class of emails we were mentioning, which is really your one-to-many, your newsletter-style emails. I don't send a newsletter. It's actually something we're working on right now to try to build some engagement with the MarTech community. What rules of thumbs do you have for people that are sending a newsletter to keep it relevant, to keep people interested? Well, first of all, you have to figure out what frequency to send because people sort of get hit their frequency cap, if you will. Um, they hit fatigue with any sort of person who's sending them email. So you have to figure out how many emails you can actually send that person and in what time period. So if your newsletter is weekly or twice a month or every day or monthly, whatever it is, you need to sort of figure that out. Each recipient is going to have different thresholds. So understanding, even though you're sending one to many, Having the right ESP to be will help you figure out through the data that maybe one person may not want to get your emails every week. So maybe you want to send that newsletter to that person once a month because looking historically at an engagement data, you might notice that they sort of only click on these emails when they come out the first week of the month or something like that. So maybe I'm just going to send this group of people the newsletter once a month. And it would be different content, right? And so you wind up tailoring your content just slightly differently for the end user who's receiving it. And again, just like with job function, if I'm a product manager and you're talking all about engineering stuff in your email, I'm probably not going to care and I'm probably not going to open it. And I didn't open it or I did open it, but I didn't take any action because it wasn't relevant to me and what I do. So it wasn't helpful. So first off, I think coming up with a content strategy, if you're going to send emails regularly, making sure that the emails are not static and that they're consistently interesting and understand the purpose of the email That makes a lot of sense. It's one of the reasons why we didn't start with a newsletter for the podcast business is that we didn't know what was going to be relevant. We didn't know if people wanted show notes or recaps or transcriptions or links to connect with our guests. And we spent some time trying to figure that out. Understanding the cadence is something that's a little tricky for me. You mentioned go hire a great ESP that's going to help you figure that out. What's some of the data you look at for people that are running newsletters already? And what do you do if you're just launching a newsletter for the first time? I think if you're just launching a newsletter for the first time, you're going to use the industry best practices where you'll send it on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, and you'll send it at either early in the morning or at the end of the day to sort of gauge, right? But once you start sending a few emails, you'll start to build up data on those recipients, and that will help give you the data to understand who's engaging with what. And then you can segment those people into different cohorts and then tailor and come up with a content strategy for each type of cohort and figure out what the right frequency is to send to those people as well. Mm -hmm. So basically, the key takeaway here is if you're not sure when to send your email, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, middle of the week, people aren't just triaging their inbox or they're not ready to go on the weekend and catch them first thing in the morning when they're going through their email or when they're cleaning their inbox out at the end of the day and figuring out what's relevant and what they want to read on their train ride home. Exactly. Any other thoughts on sending an email or any other best practices in terms of optimizing your content, links, imagery, size? So when you're sending links in emails, you should really send the full link and not use a link shortener. Those tend to be flagged by ISPs as spam. So that sort of impacts deliverability. The imagery, I cannot remember off the top of my head, but there's a certain level of kilobytes that you shouldn't exceed. So there are rules out there for different things like that. So keep the links in either a hyperlink, but don't use some sort of URL shortener. 
or just publish the entire link, depending on its length. You obviously don't want your links to be too long or they'll just kind of be distracting. And making sure that the imagery that you're including is at least lightweight so you're not delivering a very heavy file because then it'll get flagged by the ESP. When we talk about the transactional emails, this is one that I don't have a ton of experience with, where you're sending emails that are updating people on what their current status is with the company, anything from password reset to receipts. What are some of the best practices in terms of content to make sure people understand what their relationship is with a company? I think you need to be super clear in the subject line what you're sending. Most of the time, transactional emails come within seconds back to the end user based on their action. Buttons are very helpful in those types of emails because you usually have a CTA for them, but clearly stating in the email what it is that they're getting. And again, they're expecting it. I think that that that's important. I think that there's a little gray area here in terms of transactional emails that we didn't really talk about. And it gets into the marketing automation type emails where if you're using a Marketo, a HubSpot, or some sort of other marketing automation tool, and you're getting triggers based on somebody's behavior on your website that is not necessarily, hey, I completed a purchase, where's my receipt? But I see that you visited X number of pages, so we're sending you this email. When you're sending those marketing type emails that are still based on triggers, Do you have any thoughts on what's the right way to phrase or it seems to me like the content is very important just to not come across as creepy? Yeah, I was just going to say, if someone said, oh, I saw that you visited X number of pages today, I would find that super creepy. Oftentimes I see in emails like, oh, I saw that you downloaded XYZ guide. You might be interested in this. You certainly can say that. I think calling out exactly what I downloaded can also be a little creepy It could just be, hey, I saw that you recently downloaded something from our site or, hey, I saw that you recently engaged. I thought this might be helpful in your research or you might be a person, let's say it was a product manager guide, for example. It might be like, I see that you're a leader in product management. Here's an asset that I think that you might find helpful. I don't think that you need to say, I see that you just downloaded something or I see that you just visited something. That's kind of obvious, especially when it's a triggered email, because that will go out usually within a day or within hours or within minutes, depending upon how you have your marketing automation platform set up. So I think you could make it less creepy and less prescriptive in that way and just make it helpful. So you don't need to call out what they did. You can just say, hey, I think this might help you also. It's funny. Maybe it's just me being in the MarTech space or as a marketer. But if somebody said, hey, I saw that you downloaded a product marketing related asset on our website. So I wanted to follow up and send you these other resources. My first reaction would be that I think that marketer has done a really nice job with their marketing automation setup. But maybe that's a nuanced thing for me working in marketing, not everyone out there that's getting these triggered emails. Sure. I think as marketers, we just find a lot of that stuff just clever or, hey, somebody did their research for them. But everybody else who's not a marketer, you're trying to build the relationship with that person. So it should really seem like it's a conversation as opposed to a prescriptive thing. Oh, I see that you downloaded this. Let me send you this. And this is helpful. It's more about, I want to help you do your job better and be successful. So by just saying that in a nice way, you don't have to be creepy and say, I saw that you downloaded this. You could just say, Hey, Ben, as a leader in the MarTech podcast space and just somebody who's doing podcasts on a regular basis, I checked out your podcast. I found these microphones where you can hear a pin drop or something like that. Something to that effect that would be helpful to you because as doing podcasts, you care about how you sound and how it comes across. That's like one of the key things. And if I am a good marketer and I've done my research and know that this is what you do, then I should be able to really sell you this new microphone. Yeah. Interesting. 
The thing that goes through my head is if you were in a retail store and you picked up a product and then put it down on the shelf, that is the indication that you're checking something out. You're making a consideration decision. And would you want the person coming up to you who is working in the store saying, oh, I see you picked up that microphone. If you're interested in microphones, the rest of them are over here. That wouldn't necessarily bother me if it was something that was not a microphone. Let's say I was in the drugstore and I was picking up diet pills. Somebody's like, oh, hey, trying to lose a couple LBs. I'd be a little offended. That's something that's a little private. So I think you have to consider the context and integrate that into your copy as well. Yeah, context is king when it comes to copy in and of itself. Absolutely. And I think one of the other things to consider is your brand has a tone. So staying with the brand's tone, you're always going to have some sort of guideline that makes everything you do feel authentic. And the more that you can act with one voice, the better you're going to be. Even if it's multiple people in an organization sending out the email, you still want to stay within the brand's tone. And I think that that's always a good rule of thumb. Any thoughts on just title optimization? Is there an optimal number of characters or title length or ending in questions or capitalization? Do you have any hard and fast rules for how people should be putting their email titles together? Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't be yelling in all caps, right? I mean, these are standard rules. And some companies, especially the marketing automation softwares, talk about like how it should be less than 50 characters. But we're sort of finding that that number has changed over the years. I recently saw a stat where it said less than 120 characters is a good place to make sure that your subject line fits. But, you know, you can do emojis these days. You can do anything that's sort of going to make you stand out. Like when I think about Black Friday emails, for example, where they start like a month in advance, it's usually the ones that have either catchy slogans or catchy emojis that sort of make you want to click about their sale or whatever it is that's going on. I wouldn't be afraid to use graphics. I wouldn't use it in every single one, just like I wouldn't use the person's first name in every single one. But it should be short and sweet and relevant to what it is that's going to be in the copy when they open it. Yeah. Don't write the body of the email in the title. The title is meant to just be eye-catching. And really the metric that you're using to evaluate your open rate are people going to open the email. And so as you're writing your titles, think about will this drive an open or not? Is it engaging enough to get someone to then consume the body of the email? Take a funnel approach. You have to figure out who you're sending it to and make sure that your emails can be delivered. Your titles are about open rates. Your body is about click-through rates. And that's how you're generating your response and conversions is the content you're putting in the email. Correct. Any other tips or guidelines? How do you get your email signature to pop? And what are the rules of thumb there? There are companies out there like the Sigsters and Drifts of the World that allow you to put an image in the bottom of your email signature to sort of help with conversion. My experience has been is that those just tiny little banner ads, I think that that might drive some level of awareness. But my experience has been that it really depends on what the type of content is that is in the email signature, whether or not you get them to convert or not. If it's something that's helpful, then the chances are that that will increase your conversion rate. But it's like clicking on a banner ad on a website. So I don't know about you, but I hardly ever click on the banners at the bottom of someone's email signature. I would usually just go and type it in on Google to see where I'm going to land. I think that those are more about professionalism and there, if your emails and your email signatures make you look like a professional, you might have some more credibility as opposed to improving the click-through rate. I think that you could basically format your email content. At least this is what I've done with my emails. You know, I have an image at the bottom. I use my logo. It's a little dash B, which is how I sign my emails. And to me, 
if you spend a minute or two considering your email format and just try to make something that looks professional and gives you some credibility, that's all that really matters. And you could use those other services. Maybe the banner ad at the bottom has a higher click-through rate. But if it was my decision, I wouldn't spend the budget on the email signature tools. I would just try to create something that looks professional yourself. I agree. But keep in mind that as you're designing these marketing emails, you have to make sure that they're responsive for starters, especially if you're going to put images, whether in the top or in the bottom of your signature. And this goes without saying that I feel like we've been talking about this for years, but it is a mobile world that we're in. So mobile design is incredibly important, especially when it comes to email, because most people are reading their email on the go. So you want to make sure that whether it's a marketing newsletter or even a transactional email, that they are designed for mobile first. Absolutely. Okay. So I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. We talked about the different types of emails that people are sending and how to optimize them and then really worked our way from top to bottom from your title all the way down to your email signatures. So lots of ground to cover. And that's a good place for us to land the plan on today's episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Tracy for joining us. If you'd like to learn more of Tracy's tips for building an effective email strategy, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we talk about optimizing your email deliverability. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Tracy, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet where her handle is Tracy Sestili, T-R-A-C-Y-S-E-S-T-I-L-I, or you can visit her company's website, which is sparkpost.com. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries and transcripts for all of our episodes. And if you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we built benjshap.com slash question, where you can submit your questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the rest of email week, we've got great episodes lined up every day for the rest of the month. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.